Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. A quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners. This is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Chicago White Sox, splitting the series two games to two. Boston is currently in first place atop the AL East, two and a half games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees, however are an American League worst at 5 wins, 10 losses. All is quiet out of Fenway in regards to news. Some players did receive their first COVID vaccine shot today as they await the Toronto Blue Jays to come to town. News from around the league, the Minnesota Twins are expected to resume play on Tuesday after postponing two games against the Anaheim Angels due to multiple positive COVID tests. The uh, National League MVP favorite, Ronald Acuna Jr., is likely headed to the injured list due to a mild abdominal strain from Sunday's Braves-Cubs game. Red starter Sonny Gray has been activated from the injured list after dealing with some back problems. The 31-year-old will start Friday's game in St. Louis against the Cardinals. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter, at CushmanMLB. Joining me tonight... From Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm doing a lot better than my Yankees World Series pick. Holy crap! Am <laughs> I looking wrong on that one? I'm I'm still hoping for my for my Aaron Judge MVP pick, but I don't know. I might be just striking out all across the board here. It's looking rough. You know, I was just thinking about that before we come on, and I was like. It's much better to be a Red Sox podcaster this year. And how lucky were we to only have to sit through two months of that last year? They might be sitting through six. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I, I'll I'll take a COVID season that sucks over a full regular season that sucks for sure. Yeah, just absolutely brutal. Uh, and also, I, I'm terrible at remembering this, but I'm trying to get better. Jason, your Twitter handle in case uh, your haters want to get in touch with you. Yeah, my Twitter handle is uh, probably the hardest to remember in your defense, but it's color of the iris. Um, and that's color spelt the old English way, O-U-R instead of just O-R. But it's uh, color of the iris. So if you want to yell at me for being an Aaron Judge homeboy, then uh, feel free. 
Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, is Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Like that that game was super fun to watch. You saw a couple of batters, you know, hitters pitching, and that's very seldom. But uh, it's funny because I think it was last episode or the episode before that. We're like, man, you hear Terry just in my in my best Terry impression. I'm going to look like a real genius because I didn't pick the Yankees to even make the playoffs at all. <laughs> I did not. And like, I did not. And the Yankees are the, it's, it's actually just, it's, it's, it's the opposite of last year where last year we were the joke. And this year, now the Yankees, unfortunately are the joke. And, you know, we talk about this, like where I work and where other people work too. And it's like, Oh, do you guys remember back in the, it feels like back in the day when the Red Sox and Yankees had a rivalry, because here I am looking at, Three, four of the six of us picked the Yankees to win the East. It was only Terry and Joe, but we sat there like those idiots. Like they think those guys are, are not going to, you know, it's just unbelievable. Just it's been such a fun season so far, you know? It's been fun. And a bunch of you had them going to the World Series, I believe. Uh, I think I definitely did. Yeah. It was Jason, I definitely Jason did. Andrew had the Yankees, Job, Zach, and myself had the White Sox. Okay. Terry, you had the Indians. <laughs> hey, hey, stay tuned. Stay tuned on that. But uh, I mean, holy crap, man, that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We're going to get into some White Sox here, uh, Charlie. Actually, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, nice and easy, Smith underscore MLB. Your ancestors took the easy way out by choosing Smith, but. I know. Let me tell you, I, I don't know. I don't know how I got this lucky, but you know, whenever people tell me, oh yeah, this is my email. I'm like, yeah, you're lucky. You don't have to worry about numbers at the end of it. You ass. I always have numbers at the end of everything I have to do because otherwise it just doesn't happen. How I scored Smith underscore MLB. I don't know. That's insane. You got it though. I was also just thinking it. if you ever do go into the witness protection program, your name's so common, you might not even need to change it. Just moved to Wyoming or something. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or Idaho. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we will get right into it. Studs and duds for this Chicago White Sox series. And there is a ton to go over. So, Jason, you are in the leadoff spot. Who is your stud for the series? Yeah, I'm going with the guy who pitched earlier today. I'm going with Nathan Avaldi. Um because he pitched like an ace and he's been unbelievable so far this season. And the ERA is, in my opinion, a little bit skewed because it's 3.04, which is still really good. But he gave up a few runs today that were inherited by the relief pitching. Um, but it is what it is. Um, Evaldi so far on the year is he's on pace to have his best career year. And I know it's early. It, it's definitely early. But you know, 17 and a third pitched, 14 strikeouts, only four walks, no home runs allowed, and his whip is under one for, like, the first time in his whole career, except for one year in 2018. But it, he's been awesome. And it's more – it's not just the numbers. It's the way he looks when he's pitching, and it's the fact that he's not just going up there and hurling 98-mile-an-hour fastballs past everybody to succeed. He's mixing in different pitches. You know, he's mixing in the curveball. He's mixing in the slider. He's throwing that cut fastball a lot more. It's it's making him 
more deceptive and it's getting hitters off balance. Like hitters look uncomfortable in the box against Ivaldi. It's it's one of the few times I can actually say that about Nathan Ivaldi so far. Um, he he really has been the ace of this staff so far this season. And granted, like I said, it is early. And Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, is still kind of battling his way back. I do think that he, you know, is going to sharpen into form as we go forward here. So, you know, at the end of the day, this is uh, this is a perfect problem to have for the Red Sox. It's like, who's your ace? Is it Ivaldi or is it Erod or is it Sale when he eventually comes back? Um, either way, you've got a strong rotation. You really do. I mean, maybe the back end has a few question marks, but then you've got guys like Garrett Whitlock who may be worming their way into that situation anyway. If Ivaldi at the front is pitching like he does, you know, so far this you know the first half of the season like that's huge and again this is a guy that we all said he was overpaid at the time i think the last couple of years that was certainly true but this year he's earning his money he looks fantastic he, he looks the best he's ever looked so um hopefully he keeps it up hopefully he stays healthy that's always been the biggest question mark with him throughout his career is the health but i love that he's mixing in different pitches. I love that he's just, he, he went deeper into today's game than I think any of us expected him to. Um, and I love that he's just not going up there and throwing out of his ass and just trying to throw 99 past guys. He's mixing in different pitches and he's working counts and he's really getting these hitters off balance. He looks awesome. So today was a great performance. Um, he's been He's been the guy that sort of emerged that we all sort of looked at and go, okay, we didn't expect this out of him. And for this team to succeed this year, for this team to be like a playoff team and a deep playoff team, that's what you need. You need guys like Evaldi, guys that you weren't expecting to really emerge to do just that. So far, it looks like he's doing just that. It's been awesome. So he was absolutely my stud after this weekend. Charlie. So a couple of stats, because anyone that knows me knows that I really like numbers. Numbers are big. That's good. Numbers are low. That's, you know, that's that's bad depending on what stat, right? So his last 10 strikeout performance was August 9th of 2020. His last appearance where he threw 100 pitches or more, it happened to be 100 pitches, and that was September 22nd of 2019. So we're looking at quite a long while. His last seven inning start, two starts ago. So he's already doing quality starts. He's had two so far this season. Why is this important? Because we're curious to know if we're going to get 150 innings out of somebody like that. He's already done impeccable work so far. He's got a three and one start, as Jason already mentioned. He's having a fantastic start to the season. I would love to say this is how it's going to continue. And I have no reason to believe that it's going to go wrong. I've been, I've been foolish or had foolish guesses all season. Like I, I was one of those low 70 win total for the season and Boston is making me look real foolish last year. Not so much this year. Yes. But Avaldi was able to go as deep as he was because the offense did what they did. He also walked no batters. That's dumb. Um, I am so happy to see what I'm seeing out of this because when you have a question mark on who's your ace, when Chris sale isn't there, 
that's that's interesting. That's curious. And then when Sales there, Evaldi's there, when Tanner Houck is you know firing all cylinders and he's getting run support, Martin Perez has like a good start. I mean, I don't, I don't think Martin Perez is going to still be in the same circle. But you have more than three formidable stars. You have three plus. Um, super happy with what I saw from him. Super happy. Jason nailed it. Nathan Avaldi is the undisputed ace of this pitching staff right now. We're going to get into Pavetta later on. We know Richards has been up and down. We're still kind of feeling him out. Martin Perez finally in this series kind of got tuned up a little bit. Not bad, but it wasn't his, his best start of the year. And Rodriguez has looked good, but he's labored at times. Nathan Avaldi's been none of that. He has been consistently good every time out. And one of my concerns coming into the season, aside from obviously injury concerns, I don't think we're ever going to be completely comfortable with his health, but but my other concern was what is he going to look like against the the lineup the second time through, the third time through? Is he going to start to get tattooed? And that's not happening. He's making adjustments. And today, a lot of the strikeouts came the second time through the order and into the third time. So he's just been absolutely electric. And Jason mentions the contract. Should we have given him four years, $68 million? No. <laughs> That's, that was an overpay by Dave Dombrowski. But in a weird way, it's kind of like a reverse trend with him. The painful years were early, and and the the painless years are, are seemingly at the back end of the contract. So you know we have them for this year. We'll have them for next year, and I like what I'm seeing. I like what I'm seeing. He's the one guy who goes in there, doesn't give up runs early, doesn't fall behind in counts. He's just in complete command from the first inning until whatever his last inning is. And that's nice to see. It's nice to see. Any any other thoughts on Evaldi? No, I'm just, I'm glad that he's under contract for next year too, because <laughs> if he does pitch the full season and he's healthy um, and he kind of turns into a solid number two, then there you go. That's one less problem to worry about. So I'm, I'm just going to say, I, I hope no one forgets that Terry was the one that said we could have like an eighteen million dollar reliever, <laughs> yeah. and and he's just going out throwing six plus striking out ten. But here's the thing: at the time, the injury was a concern. He's had an extended break to kind of get healthy, get you know, get that ship righted. I'm curious to know what would be happening right now to our team and to him especially if last year was a full season, because the body does break down for somebody like that if there's a lot of innings, a lot of mileage. Too much taxing on that. It's, it's just not good. But last year was kind of, it was an anomaly for for so many reasons, but it ended up working out to our benefit because if, you know, he's not at 100% health and it's the whole season or he's doing whatever for a whole season, I don't know if we're going to see him at 100% right now. 100 pitches, I'm going to say he's close to 100% because this is like, I mean, the only thing I'm not hearing is like the grunt every single pitch, like against LA. Like, that's the only thing I'm not hearing every pitch. And I miss that because that was the fire 
like, okay, mm-hmm. 101, 102, 100, you're just not going to hit it. So I don't keep it up, man. I don't want to see him throw in 102. Just keep it 97, 98, 99. We're not going to Do whatever up. you need to do to stay healthy, man. I don't care. If yeah. he's 95, yeah, 96. That's oh, the thing. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need to be a Roldis Chapman out there. Just like Terry said, throw 96 to 98 and don't overexert yourself and give us six, seven innings. That's all we need. It's perfect. Yeah. And fortunately we do have the depth if something does happen, but I'll still be extremely surprised if he does exceed 150 innings. I just, he hasn't done it in a while. And Charlie makes a good point. Maybe the soft and light workload of, of 2020 kind of, kind of helps that. But yeah. And another thing in my own defense, Charlie, about the the reliever thing, the eighteen million dollar reliever, he looked like crap yeah, yeah. in a couple of those spring training. Oh, no starts. question. And no question. but more than that, I was desperately trying to get Tanner Houck into the rotation, and that was my genius I idea. <laughs> I would do anything. I, honestly, I didn't like Pavetta in there. I would have said keep Evaldi. You know, I, I saw though because while you're paying him eighteen million dollars, what's the best thing for the team at the time? It looked like okay, maybe because we didn't know what was going to happen with Whitlock stud. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen with a bunch of other players, too. So it made sense. It was a good fit. I didn't like Pavetta. I still don't like Pavetta. I still like Hauk. I want Hauk in there. Yeah. I think Hauk is going to be the three next year. That's me, though. Yeah, and I want Evaldi in the rotation every fifth day, even if there's consequences later, Same. because we, we've got to put some wins in the bank, as as we've been doing. Eventually, we're going to lose six out of eight. It happens to everyone at some point. So I just love to get, you know, more, more wins in the bank, but good to see with, with Nathan Avaldi, Charlie, who is your stud for the series? Uh, Kiki Hernandez. No question. Uh, Entered the series hitting 216 with a homer and four RBIs and literally doubled his numbers up. Uh, Left the series hitting 269. So he ended up going seven for 16, three singles, two doubles, two homers, three RBIs. Six runs scored, one walk, and a couple of strikeouts. Had three total. Um, game one, he also had that RBI with uh, two outs. That was huge in the sixth inning um, for him because this is someone who needs to start getting fired up, getting started. Because there were a lot of people on Twitter, myself included, saying, "Dude, why do we have Keith Hernandez in the one hole? Dude, he can't get on base. Like, what the hell?" And then it was one of those hold my beer moments, hitting almost five hundred. So what I absolutely liked was finally we're seeing that investment pay its 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 return now. We're seeing a return on that investment that we made for this guy. Uh, we haven't even hit the halfway mark last year as far as his numbers and metrics are concerned. Um, he's already got four doubles. He's He had eight last year. He's played 17 games this year, 48 last year. Had five home runs all of last season, three so far this year. 230 batting average last year, 269 so far. Uh, I'd love to see a couple more walks out of him, but you know what? This was one of the easiest studs to pick in the series because when you have a four-hit game, a two-hit game, you basically do everything you possibly can to get on base. Even game three didn't get a hit, but he still got a walk. You know, like this guy's doing whatever he can do to get on base. Finally, we're seeing it after a quiet last series. It's starting to, it's starting to pay off. Jason, thoughts on Kike? Yeah, uh, this guy was a dud of mine, um, not last week, but I think two weeks ago on this show. I, I labeled him as a dud, and I was not impressed uh, at the start of the year. I felt like 
much like Charlie said, I was one of those guys on Twitter being like, why is Kike hitting off or leading off for us? He, he's not a leadoff hitter. He's, you know, doesn't have the discipline, doesn't have the track record. He's looked a lot better. Um, he's starting to slowly pick it up. Um, and I do like what he brought to the series this weekend. He he showed a bit of power. Um, he had a sort of green monster special home run today, which was always good to see. Um but I, I, I do think that Hernandez is going to be extremely valuable to this team as long as he continues to perform like this. Um, now, whether or not the leadoff spot is the perfect spot for him, I don't know. I I still have questions about that. I would prefer that he take a few more walks or uh, at least show a little more plate discipline if he's going to be hitting leadoff. But I love the versatility. I love the energy that he brings. You know, you can't deny that. He's just kind of a heart and soul guy that it, it, there's something unintangible about him. That's like, he just brings a certain swagger to this team that, you know, we've been missing. Uh, certainly we're missing it last year. We missed it in 2019. And if he continues to pick it up offensively and he shows that he can get on base at a regular, you know, output like that. Great. I, I have no problem with him hitting leadoff then, you know, maybe he's just one of those guys that he can be a leadoff hitter without having to be, a guy that takes a lot of walks. If he makes contact and gets on base and scores a lot of runs, perfect. Because for this offense, you need Hernandez to set the table, right? That's what you want your leadoff hitter to do. That's exactly what he did today. He set the table against Giolito by going deep. I mean, it, Lucas Giolito, I think he was not expecting Kike Hernandez to take him deep right out of the shoot. And he set the tone and the offense picked it up after that. And they, you know, the runs just kept flowing and that's how we won he's looked a lot better i'm a lot more impressed uh, the defense looks solid no matter where he plays so you know what i he was a dud for me a couple weeks ago i hand up i was wrong uh, you know maybe at that time he deserved to be but right now uh he absolutely belongs on the stud category because he looked really good i'm impressed no complaints from me. Uh, he had a great series, uh, had the most hits of anyone. Uh, like Charlie said, drove in runs in three out of the four games. And you're starting to see the power. He had a very slow start to the season, and his numbers, like we said, don't really suggest he is a leadoff guy, but he is kind of rising to the occasion and we've had problems identifying a leadoff guy since since Ellsbury left. We had Mookie leading off at some, at one point, and then we moved him to the middle of the order, but then we had to move him back. And then in 2020, it, Verdugo just kind of inherited it and uh, did well with it, and, and he's doing well uh, out of the two-hole right now. And I'm just looking – at the my score sheet here and whether we like it or not he he's the guy he's gonna have to start there the only person i can maybe see making a strong case for it eventually and and it's still a stretch right now is maybe christian arroyo but i think for now it's it's kike hernandez's spot and maybe one other guy if he gets called up Jaron Duran, he's got he's got lead off written all over him. Hit two home runs. I, it was either today or yesterday. Had a good weekend yeah, at that, the alternate site. 
they were showing the homers too. It it uh, it looks good. I I don't think he's sure, but I I think they're going to hold him back until twenty twenty two. I think that's the look, diplomatic they, choice. Yeah, they might as well hold him back just real quick at, at this point because obviously the Red Sox are in a spot right now where it's like if it's not broke, don't fix it. So you know what? It, they're flowing along right now. Keep Duran in the minors. Let him let him get better. Let's wait on him. Yeah, we've got the depth and, and versatility. So, but that is my upset special. If it happens, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag about it in August or whatever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna continue to brag about my Yankees not making the playoffs though all year long. Um, but, oh, that one I won't blame you on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting into oh, I, I guess I guess I'm up now. The the obvious choice is is JD Martinez because he had a hit in every game, but I'm sick of picking JD Martinez. I, I'm gonna go with a guy who just isn't getting enough love, and part of the reason for that might be because he doesn't have a home run yet. But Xander Bogarts five for eleven in the series is hitting three eighty six on the season. And it's like what he that that's the quietest three eighty six I've ever seen in my life. It just very quietly getting it done. And looking at Devers in the five hole, I'm like, why would you put Devers in the five hole? That's that's a three spot or a four spot bat from a dude that just rakes. But I'm I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it because Xander's getting on base. He's getting on base, and Endeavors is driving him home too. So it's working out, and I don't think he's getting nearly enough love from Red Sox fans right now. Jason, thoughts on Bogarts? Yeah, he's uh, much like his personality. His on-field play kind of reflects it. He's just kind of a quiet leader out there. <coughs> um, he just goes up. He, he does his job. Up and he performs really well and we all sort of at the end of the year go oh wow he actually had a really good year it's like well of course he did yeah and Sander Bogarts he's pretty much been ever since he's been a Red Sox like he's been consistent there was that one season where they stupidly tried to move him to third base and he didn't do very well apart from that Sander Bogarts has been a star on this team he, he's star Red Sox and um you mentioned Devers like Devers is showing the power which is great. We want Rafael Devers to show the power because ultimately that's what makes him valuable. But he's hitting 271. You know, Devers will show power, but he'll also, you know, overswing at times. He'll he'll strike out a lot at times. In the field, he's very unreliable because basically every throw that he makes from the third base bag is going to skip at least once, maybe twice. It's like he's skipping stones out there. Um so it, Bogarts is much more steady defensively, and he's just he's a steady bat. Like the game where he had four hits, like yeah, sure, one of them was kind of a jam shot bloop into right field. But you know what? When you're going well, that's the kind of hits you get. Um, so I, I've you know I have no, no questions about Bogarts. Like that's one of those guys that you always look at. And you go, you know what? I don't have to worry about him. He's going to be fine. I'm not worried at all that Sander Bogarts has zero home runs. He's one of the few guys on this team that doesn't have a home run yet, and I'm not the least bit concerned because I know at some point 
he's going to get into a groove and he's going to run into one and he's going to smash it. And he'll probably hit 20 to 25 home runs this year. That's not even a doubt in my mind. So, you know, the no home runs does not concern me at all. Um, I know he had a late start to spring training because of health issues, but he looks like he's just fine. Defensively, he looks good. He has good at bat still. You know, again, just steady, quiet leader. That's the kind of guy you want hitting in the middle of your lineup. You know, no drama, no BS. He's he's still going to be one of the best players on your team at the end of the year. So, yeah, Bogarts, is, he's finding his groove. The power will come. Um, he's still a centerpiece of this team, no doubt about it. I forgot to mention that kind of blue pit. It, it was deep into the outfield right near the uh... – the the first baseline but and it ended up being a ground rule double but two runs came in on that and and that's what broke open that first game for us to win it seven to four that that Mm -hmm. happened late in the game so definitely a huge hit by bogarts charlie your thoughts on bogarts you know jason hit it on the head um it's a very quiet 386 batting average and if you have to look at it on paper the Red Sox, while he's not hitting home runs, there are plenty of other guys that are still hitting bombs. And what's nice is that they're not concerned about big-time baseball. You don't see five guys at the dish trying to hit home runs every single time. They're playing small ball. Devers getting on base with singles, doubles. You see Bogarts, who's got 22, 23 hits on the season. Only a couple of them are extra base hits. Xander Bogarts has as many multi-hit games as the Yankees do wins. <laughs> that's dumb. He's got two four hit games, two three hit games, a two hit game. He's had, he had two doubles in the series. He he only played three games, but I mean, if you're doing all this right, I don't care. Like, I mean, the rest of the team is still doing everything they need to do. No, he's not scoring any runs, but he's still getting on base. He's doing what he needs to do. He's moving people over. He's doing what he, it's hard to complain. Um, but You'd love to see home runs. It, it, it's, I, there's going to be a lot of people that kind of complain about the fact that he isn't home runs. I, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll say it too. Like we've now seen what five series, and he hasn't hit one yet. It feels weird uh, towards the end of May, or sorry, April, that he hasn't hit one. But at the same time, I, I'm really not concerned. This is the best team in in the American League right now. So clearly, stuff is going the right direction. So if it means that you continue hitting singles and doubles, and other people are doing other things, I don't care. I don't care. And he's he's slugging almost 500 right now, so that's not terrible. So I, I think Jason's right that the home runs will will start to happen, and, and once they do start to happen, it'll be a pretty regular thing. So I just mentioned, we'll get into the honorable mentions now, uh, J.D. Martinez. Now, he, he should have been a stud. He had a hit in, in every – all four of the games, he was six for fifteen on the series. Did not have a single hit against Minnesota. Went hitless the whole series, and then was able to turn it right back up uh, when they got home to play the White Sox. So that's that's good. We're not really seeing a, a prolonged slump out of him. He hit a home run today, and uh, you know had multiple games with with runs driven in. So continues to be. One of the best hitters in the league. He's ranked third right now. The only reason he's not ahead of Mike Trout is because he hasn't drawn as many walks 
Mike Trout has an insane over 500 on base percentage, but he's got more hits than Trout. He's got more home runs than Trout and is just playing out of his mind. This could be the best year of J.D. Martinez's career. <laughs> it literally could be in his age 33 season. Any thoughts on him? I'm not particularly surprised only because when you think of all the factors about that, like, you know, Cora's back. It's a full season. Supposedly he actually prepared for this year where he gets his little pet back. And oh, by the way, there's a little small thing of he's technically in a contract year. Isn't that interesting that when he can opt out and he has everything in place, oh, all of a sudden JD Martinez is one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, Obviously, this you know that's sort of a negative way to look at it, but you know I would not be shocked if towards the end of the season we hear about well it, maybe he's not going to come back, maybe he's going to take that opt out because he's having a career year and he's going to go for that one last big five or six year contract uh, that some stupid team will give him because teams are dumb. Um, the Yankees, I, that's a Brian Cashman special, a guy in his mid thirties who wants a six year contract, yeah. Sign Cashman up. He'll do it. Um, so it, it's it's great to see. I hope it keeps up. You need J.D. Martinez if you want to be a contending team this year, which the Red Sox obviously do. But be aware of that contract situation. That, that opt-out is looming larger and larger by the day as he continues to rake. Well, if he keeps raking, then so be it, even if he doesn't come back. So this is, you know, we're talking about him having one of the best statistical seasons so far. And uh, I would agree so far. It is only a couple weeks into the season. The extra base numbers are incredible. He's had, what, seven doubles, which I think is tops in the league. He also has six home runs, which is number one in the American League, number two overall, only to Acuna. He leads all of Major League Baseball with 20 RBIs. He's ninth overall with a batting average, only a couple ticks behind Xander Bogart's sixth best in the American League. Xander's fifth best in the American League. Um what else do we want to know? Oh, yeah. He keeps mashing. He he was, at one point, the only player that was getting an extra base hit a game. Like, it was just, it was stupid. Oh, yeah. Some players, you, you hope to see, like, a couple extra base hits in a series. He was averaging a, a double a game. It was just dumb. So, uh, yeah, walk year helps, but I-D-G-A-F. Uh, it's going <laughs> to keep, it's going to keep being one of those seasons for him. I don't think it's going to stop. I think you might see a couple series where he might have like a, a fluff week or, you know, where he throws up on his shoes. But you know what? I'd rather have him have one of those than all of what we saw in 2020, which is just disgusting. It was, disres- it was just, ew. It was the only thing that kept coming to my mind when I saw him come to the dish because it just, it was like he forgot how to hit. It was like Andrew Benintendi too. It, it was just, it was, ah, there was no words for it. And now it's like, okay, now we're starting to see why we paid you all this money. And it looks like an underpay by the numbers he's putting up. So I'm hoping he keeps this up. He may very well have a great statistical year. Do I think he's going to hit 120 RBIs? I don't think so. Do I think he's going to hit 30 home runs? Sure. Absolutely. But, I mean, I think Andrew was the one that said, yeah, we might see you know 80% of, of uh, what he can do. Uh, I think we'll <laughs> see more than that if it keeps up at this point. You know, like Andrew was right in saying that. I mean, there's no way he was going to do 2022.0. I mean, Jesus, that would have been terrible. But uh, we wanted to see something, and we've seen it. So let's just keep this going. He might give you 120%, literally, of uh, what what we expected. 
another guy hitting well, uh, Alex Verdugo, uh, five for thirteen on the series. Uh, hit a home run today. Was three for four. Uh, had hits in in three out of the four games, but continues to be solid up towards the top of the lineup. Uh, getting into some pitching now. One guy I kind of pointed out a pattern about him. Josh Taylor has been scoreless in his last four appearances. Uh, I think a few of them haven't been quite for a full inning, but so he's been used kind of sparingly or situationally. But he's faced 11 batters and only given up two hits in his last four outings. So this could kind of play into the pattern he's had in the past where he gets knocked around the first few appearances and then kind of settles in. So it's good to see. It's good to see. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit more confident when he comes out and I'm like, oh, this this is an automatic two spot, you know, or whatever, you know, that he was putting up. So and he's one of our two lefties. So it's it's really important they get him squared away and and it looks like they have another guy I'll bring up real quick we can discuss them together Adam Ottavino finally looked filthy in his uh, outing in game one that was the only game he appeared in for the series pitched a full inning all three batters were struck out he struck out the side the slider was nasty it had tons of movement there were balls that weren't looking like strikes that were just hitting the zone, you know, you know, right, right as they got to the plate, and and nobody had a nobody had a chance against him. He was just extremely dominant in that outing. So hopefully, this is the turnaround for him. That way, we can keep rubbing that into the faces of Yankees fans. But any thoughts on yeah, those two relievers? Yeah, Josh Taylor has become the Red Sox personal version of Jesse Orozco of the yesteryears. Yes, I'm talking about the guy that pitched four different decades for a plethora of different teams. Um, he comes in for one guy, two guys, and that's it. Because the first three games, as, as Jason would say, just kind of threw up on his shoe. He had an ERA <laughs> of 45, very fluffy, not really pretty. Um, and he's since brought that ERA back down to a... Still not pretty, but a lot better than what it was. 9.53, last five appearances, he's combined to do two and two-thirds, a lot of two hits, one walk, three Ks, or two strikeouts, excuse me. Much more manageable, serviceable. And you know what? Sometimes you just need that guy to pitch to one dude. And if that's all you end up doing, Josh, because that's all we can get out of you, then you know what? That's fine, because you know what? We're winning. So I don't care. It, it becomes one of those things that it's not what's the best thing for you. It's what's the best thing for the team. And if it means you come out for six pitches or two guys or whichever comes first, that's it. That's your job. We only have two guys. Uh, if it means that that's your job, then that's it. Done. Jason, thought yeah. you know, almost had an immaculate inning. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go Jason. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, that's it. Ottavino was who was going to harp on. Like, he, he looked incredible in this outing. It, that was his best stuff that he's displayed all season. So. That breaking ball was working for him. Um, like Charlie said, almost had an immaculate inning. Um, and he looked confident. He, he looked much more comfortable there. So they need him. They they need him to be a stable force and back into that bullpen. I mistakenly thought that he was going to be the closer. Matt Parnes uh, told me to shove that where the sun don't shine. And Ottavino will probably be more like an eighth inning, you know, against right-handers kind of guy. 
which is fine. I, that's great. That That's best case scenario for the Red Sox. So, um, yeah, just another reason to laugh at the Yankees. Thanks for Adam Adovino, too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Garrett Whitlock also hadn't pitched in a while, but uh, came in and basically finished out the game uh, after Voldy uh, exited with two and two-thirds. Didn't give up a single hit, two strikeouts, so... Uh, good to see there. Using him kind of sparingly, so that's kind of curious, but we'll we'll see how that continues to develop. And actually, I, I guess on this side of it, before we do go into the duds, I do want to talk about Tanner Houck real quick. Not a dazzling outing by any means, but he did go four and one-third, gave up six hits, three earned runs. One of those was a home run in the very first pitch of the game. And I was impressed by the fact he was still able to settle in there and and pitch his game and not be rattled by Tim Anderson taking him deep on the first pitch. So that was good to see. And I also want to point out this one thing. We'll get to Pavetta in a minute, but you know, watching a guy like Pavetta, extremely stressful. It's a very stressful outing. We see that with Garrett Richards as well. I have a lot of confidence in Hauk. I'm not I'm not at the edge of the cliff thinking, oh my God, it's about to completely unravel. You know, he's a guy who's who's gaming and and keeping us in the game. And I like what I see. I, I like what I see out of him. And and that was a lineup that could have easily got him out of there in the second inning if things really weren't going well. And and he toughed it out and, and went four and a third. So thoughts on Hauk? Yeah, I, I think Hauk looks really sharp. I do like his his confidence. Um, I wish he was a little more polished. You know, we, we talked about it coming into this year. Is like, is he going to expand on that arsenal at all? Is he going to add more pitches? Is he going to become more refined? And he really, he just became sort of more confident, which isn't bad. I mean, that's fine, but he didn't necessarily become more polished. You know, like there's a difference between the two. Um, he definitely has confidence. He, he, his stuff is really good. I still wish he kind of added another pitch. I wish he had more to work with because I do feel like, you know, after teams start to get used to him, for a while he's going to get exposed and i think that home run to anderson sort of proved it tim anderson went up there thinking hey this guy's going to throw me a fastball first pitch like i'm i'm pretty much assured of that because it's his favorite pitch sure enough he did and anderson took it the other way and hit it up and other hitters are going to pick up on that so i like how i like him a lot i just wish he was a little more polished before i say yep you should absolutely put him in the rotation over anybody else um, but overall, they've got something there. They've definitely got talent there. They just need to, you know, they need to refine it just a little bit. I'm still going to say that I really like Hauk. I mean, here's the thing. It wasn't like Pavetta where you saw a lack of control. 74% of his pitches were strikes. Still struck out two guys. The home run, yep, it sucks because sometimes that rattles you. You see a pitcher give up home runs on back-to-back pitches, back-to-back-to-back pitches. And then for a guy who's been in the league for six minutes – you know, he's, he had three career starts last year, only a couple this year, did not get the run support because obviously it was only a seven-inning game for the first uh, 
game of the doubleheader. They lost three to two. But you know what? Three runs and four and a third for a guy who's had less than 10 career starts, a couple hits. He's still not walking, guys. He has great control. Just what Jason said. Get another pitch in your arsenal. You can't survive on two plus pitches. You need three if you're a starter. If you're a reliever, yeah, you could survive off one or two. I mean, if you know if you have the best pitch in baseball of that pitch, yeah, you can survive. There's a particular close who played for a team with stripes that had only one pitch, and that's all he threw. And he was the best ever as a closer. So um starter, you can't live on two. And just what you said, you know, Jason mentioned it. First pitch, soft fastball. They're sitting fastball. Um, if he can incorporate something else into that mix and not throw fastball, I think you're going to see something pretty special. I just was looking it up. He has been working on a splitter, and uh, he only threw it three times during the game. So that's kind of what he's hopefully going to work on and, and mix that in a little bit more. But... But yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get into him in the coming shows. But I wasn't at all discouraged by by what I saw, and we lost that game three to two with a little bit of run support. It, it could have been obviously uh, a, a much more positive uh, outcome. So, getting over to the duds of the series, Jason, who's your dud? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Franchi Cordero as my dud. And uh, I know that might be a little surprising to some people. He did drive into runs today, which is very nice. That was good to see. It's good to see him go the opposite way and drive in a couple of runs. Um, he also made a lot of stupid mistakes in today's game. And he's kind of just – it led me to think of him in a larger picture like throughout the whole season – so today he he drove in two runs. He, you know he had two hits in the game. Uh, for the series he was two for eight. He struck out four times. And let's not forget that he also struck out against a second baseman uh, later in the game. <laughs> which I, I, like I know I get it. It was garbage time. The game was pretty much over. But like you know you were, you were up by six seven runs. Like you're still looking to pad the lead. And for a guy who I've been told is you know well. Wait till he runs into one. Oh, my God. He can hit him as far as David Ortiz has. Well, he struck out against a second baseman. And <laughs> in 33 at-bats, he has zero home runs this year. He's one of the few Red Sox players that does not have a home run. I think it's like him, Bogarts, Plowecki, and like, I don't know. Uh, there might be one other guy. Who, uh, Dahlbeck. Dahlbeck, yeah, Mr. Powerhouse himself. I think those are the only guys who don't have home runs on this team so far this year. Um, so for a guy who, because again, like I heard it all during spring training. Oh, he looks like David Ortiz. You know, you know, all the Pete Abrahams of the world, the, you know, mastermind reporter there, Pete Abraham. Well, I talked to rival executives who told me that Franchi Cordero reminds them of David Ortiz. Okay. Well, he has no home runs. He's hitting in somewhere in the two seventies and he struck out against a second baseman today. So I don't know. Not looking like David Ortiz to me. Uh, he he sometimes shows flashes defensively. You know, he threw out a runner earlier in the series that, you know, he, he looks like he has a good arm. But he also looks like he has no clue how to play the Green Monster. Uh, we saw that in today's game. He just has no idea how to play the Monster yet. It, it almost made me like, it made me miss Manny Ramirez a little bit. 
I was like, well, at least Manny knows how to play the wall. I don't think this guy does. Um, he made a terrible base running mistake, too, when Dahlbeck lined out against the DH, I think it was, because Bobby Dahlbeck can't even hit a home run against the DH who's pitching. And he lined out to short, and Cordero just bolted. Not, I don't know if he forgot how many outs there were or whatever, but he got doubled up. I just I look at Cordero, and he's he's a 4A player. He's a 4A player who Alex Cora is giving basically everyday playing time to. It, unless there's a left-hander on the mound, Franchi Cordero's in there. And I think that the only reason Red Sox fans aren't getting on him more is because he was traded for Andrew Benatendi, who's actually been worse than Cordero, if you can even believe that. Uh, Benintendi has not had the Benny Benny bounce back season that you know all the all the Red Sox fans hope that he would. He's hitting like two sixteen, and he doesn't have any homers either. And he's actually had fifty one at bats because he plays literally every day. So I don't know. I between like Cordero and Renfro and like that that corner outfield spot just is looking pretty weak. And so far they've gotten away with it. They've gotten away with it because the rest of the lineup is mashing. Everyone's mashing. It's like it's only Cordero and Dahlback that aren't hitting. And because of that, everyone kind of ignores it. Like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Pete Abraham told me he was going to be David Ortiz in spring training. He'll be okay. Well, he's not looking like David Ortiz. He's looking like a 4A player who's playing too much. And I just I hope at some point, if the Red Sox are really in this this year, if they're really going to contend, that at some point, middle of the summer, Kyan Bloom makes a move to upgrade that corner outfield spot and get someone in there who, you know, knows how many outs there are when he's running on the base pass or someone who doesn't strike out, you know, foolishly against a second baseman who's pitching. That would be nice. Um, I know I might be asking for a lot, but I don't know. You're a major league hitter. You're facing a second baseman who's throwing softballs. Like, can you maybe make contact? I don't know. So I, I'm not I'm not a Cordero guy yet. I know a lot of people are, but he's got to show me a lot more because he's getting a lot of playing time for a guy who I think is a borderline minor leaguer, major leaguer, you know, in between. He's he's four A at best. And I think when he got caught in the base pass, I think he was just being complacent. That was the impression I got. He just completely Could complacent. Be. Yeah. But Charlie, go ahead. Thoughts on Cordero? Oh, oof. I, I so you already hit on one point: the fact that people are going to be happier with him than with Benintendi because Benintendi's still MIA. Call Carmen San Diego. Do what you need to do. But we're still trying to find him. Apparently, he's in Kansas City, but I don't know. Uh, I don't think anyone else does either, which is kind of sad. Uh, first two games, he did have a nice assist. So I'll take that. Um, got on base. Did have a couple singles, but. You did mention something, and it kind of struck a chord because I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if he's going to hit this. Hasn't hit a home run yet. Plowecki hasn't hit one. Xander hasn't hit one. Um, I forget who else you mentioned. Those four guys, I think, uh, that you mentioned. But Franchi Cordero. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, of course. <laughs> How could we forget Bobby Dahlbeck? Mm-hmm. Uh, May 20th, 2009. May 20th, 2009. Almost two months of baseball went by. Before David Ortiz decided to bless us with his first home run. And people call him David Ortiz Jr. And 
I really like the swing. People gave me flack for it earlier this uh, this spring when I was saying, you know, he's got a really fluid swing. It's like a like a junior Ken Griffey Jr. version. And someone said, wait, you're comparing that to Ken Griffey Jr.? He's like, just watch the follow through. It's really pretty. It's really nice. And if it goes the right way, he's not even going to have to look at it. It's just automatically going to be gone. May 20th, 2009. And no, Franchi Cordero is not David Ortiz in any way, shape, or form. Maybe later on. Who knows? But right now, I'm going to just count my blessings. 2021 has been insane. No one thought that we were going to be in first place in the American League. No one thought we were going to be running the division. The only team that's better than us is the team that basically bought the 2021 World Series, the Dodgers. And we've still outscored them for the year, which is stupid. So you know what? If it takes him a little while longer, I'm okay with that. He's hitting 270. He's not playing every day. He's doing his job. I think he's going to learn his position a little bit better. I don't think it's going to be like a Rosa Reina playing right field, trying to figure out, okay, like he needs a GPS to figure out where to go. Uh, I'm I'm going to remain calm and be positive in this circumstance because I really do want him to succeed. I really do. Because on top of the fact that he's got one of the cooler names in Boston, up there with like Canada's, uh, I really can't wait because I feel like his first home run is going to be insane it's gonna be like 500 feet to deep right center field and people are gonna be like oh that's out we're not even gonna look at it just throw another ball back to the pitcher's mound it's just gonna be gone i think that's gonna be what happens the first time and it'll probably be in the next series and when it happens i'm gonna be looking at you jason because that's we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about this one too uh i'm just waiting patiently i'm not i'm not gonna completely poo-poo him didn't have a great series that's okay we'll see what happens next time uh I don't really have too strong of feelings. I mean, your all your points are pretty valid, but what I will say is, he was lucky today that we had the benefit of a big lead because those mistakes would have been a lot more glaring had uh, had we been behind, and it essentially cost us a game. So, hopefully, Cora just works his magic and kind of rounds him into form and. Um, he hasn't really had a, a full major league season yet, so hopefully by the time July rolls around, we'll we'll have a much different uh, narrative, you know, on on Cordero. Charlie, who is your dud for the series? Oh, this one's too easy, Pavetta. You know, I uh, I'm talking about the fact that we don't have enough consistency from you know certain pitchers and this this guy's one of them you know 59 percent of his strikes 49 of 83 walked four guys in three and two thirds uh four hits two runs two earned um long ball was also part of the problem for him it's just it's just uh, a consistency bit you know we need to see um consistency out of him and he didn't give up home runs uh in that game but it was just they were just teeing off and it just you, you score two runs against him in the first inning, and I thought, uh-oh, this is just the floodgates are open. They're going to drop like a five spot, and uh, it's going to get ugly real quick. And then he kind of calmed down, but not really because the control wasn't there. And every pitcher sometimes doesn't get some calls. It is what it is. You walk four guys. You give up, you know, quite a few runs. It's 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 not looking good. It's back-to-back. It doesn't look great. Um, and this becomes the thing like, okay, which one of the starters gets bounced out when sale comes back? It's not a question of if he comes back, it's now when, because the Red Sox are doing really well. So Evaldi lock, Hauk lock, Martin Perez. They're not going to justify kicking out over Pavetta. 
he's 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 gonna be the one gone. That's it. I mean, it, it just it is what it is. I think the the project is. I don't want to say over on him, but he just. I, I can't I can't see him being consistent enough to be worth it. It's either going to be Pavetta out or Richards out, and I think Pavetta loses because Richards is at a little bit more consistency. Um, you know the mistakes he's made recently, just the long ball. So if the control continues to to wane, I keep him lasting as a starter, especially if you can't even get out of the fourth inning. So that's my dud, Jason. Yeah, this was yeah, this is kind of the concern I had about Pavetta coming into the season. And I praised him last week because I thought that he pitched well last week. And this is a guy that was sort of back into the rotation. You got him for nothing. Let's just see if we can he's a reclamation project. That's exactly what he is. And let's just see if we can get the most out of him. Um, you're gonna have some starts where he looks really good and the stuff looks good and he's in command and He's able to pitch efficiently and, you know, looks like a good back end of the rotation kind of guy. And then there are starts like he had this weekend where he's kind of all over the place. The command's not there. The control's not there. And you're sitting there going, why are we even bothering with this guy in the rotation? And, you know, the one thing is going into the season, you went, you know what? We'll take him. We'll, we'll take any warm body who can give you five innings and not completely just crap his pants because, you know, we weren't sure what this rotation was going to look like. We didn't know what Erod's health was going to be. We didn't know how Evaldi was going to look, all of that. Now with the emergence of Hauk and with the seemingly on the horizon, uh, you know, emergence of Garrett Whitlock, Pavetta's days might be numbered. Like he, I think he has to treat every start like he's going out there pitching for his job because the fact that they're stretching Whitlock out and they're only letting him pitch every three to four days, and they're not treating him like a relief pitcher, tells me that they want him in the rotation. And I think we all know they want Hauk in the rotation too. And Chris Sale's waiting in the wings. So all of a sudden, you've got a crowded five-man rotation. And if Pavetta keeps going out there and the control looks bad, and he's only in four innings and he's walking too many guys, you know, he's his days are numbered. He's not... He doesn't have the luxury that Garrett Richards has. You see, Garrett Richards has this $8.5 million albatross attached to him, where even if he sucks, the Red Sox go, jeez, oh, we can't just get rid of him because you know we don't want to eat an $8.5 million salary, so we got to find something to do with him. Nick Pavetta is making peanuts. So... They, you know, they can find something to do with that money. It's it's not a big deal for them. If he doesn't work out, they can just move on. So Pavetta's got to figure it out. If he wants to stay in that rotation, he's got to figure it out because there are a couple of guys waiting in the wings to take his spot if he keeps pitching like that. So he's got to be a lot better. He's got to get command of his pitches a lot better. Um, he can't keep walking guys like this. It's You can't be a starting pitcher and walk guys at that rate. It's just never going to work. So he's got to clean it up because if Whitlock continues to perform, if Hauk continues to perform and Sale is getting healthy, waiting in the wings, his days might be numbered. I was going to raise that question to you guys, but you guys went there all on your own, uh, whether or not he could end up being really short-term. There's just so many unanswered questions about him. How's he going to perform 
in Yankee Stadium with 50,000 fans once we're back to normal. And it's a very hostile environment, and we need him to lock in. How is he going to pitch in that environment? And, and Fenway can be pretty hostile too. Let's let's face it. I just I don't think he has the makeup. And when he had that outing, I don't know if it was his first start or his second start, where he's like, "Yeah, I couldn't locate my fastball, but my slider was pretty good." I'm like, "You you couldn't locate your fastball." Like, like, uh-oh. And there's just no value in him because we had a guy like Porcello who sucked every other year, but the thing about him was, oh, well, he'll eat innings for you. You can't even do that with Pavetta. He's walking everybody, and we're damn lucky we had a guy named uh, Andres that could – Matt Andrews that could just go in there and and give you two or three innings just to just to right the ship and, and clean up his mess. And I would hate to see that happen every time Pavetta goes out there. I'm rooting for him, but the more I see him, the less and less sense it, it makes that he's gonna be here long term. Now, if he's a religious man, he better say some prayers to make Garrett Richards be a worse pitcher because that's probably his only ticket. Richards could be a short-term guy as well, being on a one-year deal, and he can be kind of expendable. But one thing I forgot to mention a minute ago with Hauk, do you know who who's happy Hauk pitched okay but not super great? I'm bloom because if Hulk went out there and just <laughs> and just shoved for six innings, how do you how do you send Pavetta out there? You know, maybe you send him out there one more time and just let him get shelled to really put the exclamation point on it. But but Hulk just kind of you know laboring through that start at times is is kind of a, a saving grace for Pavetta. So. A, you know that he he was a perfect dud, and the Red Sox are have gotten really lucky every time out with him. That Vasquez was able to get him through that one start when he couldn't have his fastball, and and he he came very close to giving up a grand slam in, in Saturday's outing, and, and it died on the warning track. That easily could have been a six nothing game at that point, and we, and we were completely buried, and we ended up winning at seven to four. So. Just think of how detrimental it, it would have been had it happened. So, um, so ho- hopefully he turns it around. But I'm a pessimist uh, when it comes to Pavetta for sure. Uh, my my dud for the series kind of falls in line with Jason's dud. I'm going with Hunter Renfro. Now I've kept my mouth shut for a while on him and just kind of hope for the best. I know we got a host on the on the midweek show that that's super high on him and there is time for him to turn it around, but he's right now playing worse than what his career numbers are. Hunter Renfro is. He's hitting at a 184 with a 233 on base percentage and Mr. Moonshot doesn't even have a, a 300 slugging percentage. He's got a 289 slugging percentage. So I don't like him 
And when we have Renfro, Dahlbeck, and Cordero all at the bottom of the lineup, I just kind of win. So I'm like, ooh, where, where are those runs going to come from with those three in there? And there was one play, it was in one of the doubleheader games. We were talking about Cordero getting caught on the base pass. So did Renfro. He got caught in a rundown because he wasn't paying attention. And the catcher, I don't know if it was Grandall for that game, caught him sleeping. And and what aggravated me more was that he didn't try to extend the rundown to, to try to get Devers home, who was on third base. And it just just a terrible play. And we ended up losing we could if the inning got extended we might have been able to drive in a couple more runs and that was a momentum killer in that game and what annoyed me more than anything was as soon as he was tagged out he gets up he's got this goofy look on his face he sticks his tongue out as if to say haha you know look what just happened to me and i just i'm not a Renfro guy that that's a face you want to slap in those situations when when he's goofing around and and I don't like him. I just I don't like him. He, uh, I just need to take a moment to like if I could slap myself and people could see me slap myself. Just I, it's one of those things where I might have to like make a gif of this. Struck out four times in ten at bats. Yes, he had a couple singles. You get picked off. It's like damn it. You get caught stealing, damn it. When both happen, that really sucks in the same series. What happens in the same game, what are you doing? And my my issue now is with myself, I, I gave him rope, and I've used this before, and he took a little extra rope, and then he hung me with it, hung everyone on this podcast and everyone on the team with it too because he's not doing his job. I Foolishly, foolishly compared Hunter Renfro to Mike Napoli. <laughs> and that's just disrespectful. Mike, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Because that is not doing you justice for all the things you were able to bring to Boston. Because I I don't know where, where this home run power, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is all it needs. You know, this is all this guy needs is come to a different team, prove himself, and if he listens, maybe he'll get angry, fired up, and start doing damage. Because let's be honest, if he hits four home runs this series and brings his average to 220, we're not going to be talking about this anymore. But I don't think it's going to happen because it's like we have our own Giancarlo Stanton. Strikes out a lot, doesn't hit a lot of home runs, and doesn't do too much offensively. Um, Defensively, better, but... Getting picked off, getting caught stealing, not hitting anything besides singles. Yeah, you're hitting, you get RBIs and whatnot. That's great, but um, this looks much. This doesn't look as bad as it really is because the Red Sox are doing as well as they are, and that's the real issue here. Is we can talk about Hunter Renfro, similar to like you know a couple other players from last year, and the optics of it this year just don't look as bad because the Red Sox are the best team in the American League. So if the Red Sox were five and eleven, or you know the Yankees right now, they'd be calling for for first off, they'd be freaking out at Heim Bloom. No one's saying anything about Bloom right now, but no one's saying anything about Hunter Renfro. They're like, you know what? Let's just be patient. And I think that's the take. That's the the uh, 
the way that they're going right now is they're just going to be patient. We've only had five series so far. Let's just see what happens because David Ortiz didn't hit a home run until May 20th. This guy is not David Ortiz, but I'm willing to give this guy a month to see what he does. I expect him to hit at least another home run this month. We're halfway through the month, so let's just see what happens. Um, but Jesus, uh, 0 for 3, 3 strikeouts in the third game. Like, oh, God, that hurt. That hurts. Need, yeah. to, need to do better. You and need to do better. His one hit today was off of uh, your mean Mercedes, who is the DH. So that's how he got his one hit. But Jason, thoughts on um, Renfro? Yeah, I mean, at least unlike Cordero, he was able to get a hit off a position player. That's nice. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good to see. But yeah, I look at Renfro and he's got two positives for him. He has a killer arm. I'll give him that. He's got a great throwing arm, which, you know, great. Woohoo. Um, and when he runs into a good pitch, he can hit it a long way, which he's only done once so far this year. So that's neat. Um, yeah, he's he's a strikeout waiting to happen. Uh, he doesn't take walks. He's a bad base runner. I'm sick of hearing about, oh, he's faster than you think. Oh, that's nice. You know, you can have all the speed you want, but if you're a dumbass on the base pass, then your speed doesn't do anything for you. Like, I don't know what he was doing out there. And defensively, apart from the arm strength, like, I mean, he's having trouble in right field. Like, the 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 triple that Magical hit today, that shouldn't have been a triple. Renfro re- misplayed that. Like, he should have been able to cut that off. But instead, he sort of, like, ran parallel to the ball and let it roll all the way around the wall, and Magical got a triple out of it. Now, it was a blowout, so it didn't matter. But in a close game, that matters. And, you know, Dave O'Brien will tell you all about, oh, he's, you know, he leads the league and defensive run saves for, you know, this from this year to this year. I, I don't care. I So far, I watched him, and I go, you're an average defender with a plus arm. Neat. Like, not a guy who should be playing every day. Again, it, the power has not been there. The guy that didn't hit for power last year, he's, you know, he's the kind of guy he needs to run into the right pitch. Otherwise, he's not going to hit for power. He's probably going to strike out. So, um, yeah, between him and Cordero, that corner outfield spot has been a, a disaster this year. And like Charlie said, it, you know, when the rest of the team's going, you don't notice. And Kyan Bloom won't take any flack for it because, oh, he's only costing you $3 million. Who cares? Well, okay, sure. I, I bet you I could find someone for $3 million who is better than Hunter Renfro. I, I guarantee you could. So, so far, I'm not impressed. He's He's got to pick it up. It, you know, you can't hit 176 and just be like, oh, well, look at the throwing arm. No, it's not enough. Um, and again, it, I have the same criticism for him that I do for Cordero. All I heard about was this guy's power. Oh, wait till Renfro runs into one. Oh, man. It's going to go to the moon. This guy hits nothing but moonshots. He has one home run. One. So between him and Cordero, they have one home run. Like, that's not good enough. That's definitely not good enough. And they both strike out too much. Renfro especially. Renfro just looks completely overmatched at times. Like, he looks like a joke sometimes trying to swing up there. So, yeah, he's got to pick it up because this series, he he looked like he was just out to lunch. I don't know what he was doing both defensively and at the plate. He just, yeah, 
he, he's looking like a guy who there's a reason why nobody else wanted to sign him and the Red Sox were able to get him for $3 million because yeah, it, that's starting to show. Yeah. It's hard to really find a ton of value. And w- when he does hit that moonshot a week or two from now and everyone drools over it, I'm going to be the first person to roll my eyes and fart, you know, and be like, okay, yeah, he hit one. Um, the only one I can think of that could possibly take his spot if the Red Sox do want to move on from him, I guess is Munoz. You know, we talk about replacing Pavetta and how we have options if if we want to go that route. But with the outfield position, it's hard, you know, and we all agree that it's probably not going to be Duran. So I think Munoz is is really the only guy, and I think he's injured right now too. So unless a like a weird outside the box trade happens in the month of May, I mean it's not super rare. They do happen, but I can't really see I can't really see Renfro getting peddled away from the team or. Or that out of nowhere DFA like we saw with with Hanley Ramirez. So we'll see. Charlie, any more thoughts on Renfro? I really just want to see him do a little bit of damage because it would it would suck if this ends up being the the guy that uh, I, I think he had a little there were a lot more expectations for our, for Renfro than there were for Franchi because Franchi didn't have a full season in uh, Kiki Hernandez. We already had an expectation of what he was going to do. He's already starting to do that. Um, he, he's there with the, the status of number one player to prove himself in 2021 for the Red Sox. I don't know if there's another player that is quite there, including Nick Pavetta um, and Garrett Richards because, because Richie's had a couple of decent starts in a row. Pavetta's, if he can, you know, take care of the walks, okay. But I can't name a game where Hunter Renfro's been the man of the match. It just, it hasn't happened yet. And there have been two more games, there have been too many more games where he's actually been the reason why the team didn't win than he was the reason or one of the, you know, one of the components of actually doing well. So... I really hope he does well. You know, you don't want to see any of the players on your team do poorly. You don't want them to suck. I don't want him to suck. I want him to do well. I want him to hit home runs because that's why we brought him here. So time will tell. You know, it just kind of hit me. He's like an extremely poor man's Mike Trumbo, and he wasn't even a great hitter. <laughs> so that's that's where Pavetta, uh, not Pavetta, uh, Renfro is uh, on uh, my spectrum. But before we do get into the Toronto series, and there's not a ton to go over because it's just a two-game series, I want to share one more observation. Matt Barnes only appeared in the first game. He had a rough game the series before in Minnesota where he was bailed out by a spectacular diving play by Alex Verdugo. And Barnes, in the the first game of the Chicago series, finally gives up his his first run of the year and uh, gave up a couple of hits, only struck out one. He's laboring a little bit, and I'm starting to notice just in the last couple of outings, maybe they're blips and he's just he's gonna go on another dominant run again. but but these last couple times out, he's not finishing guys. 
the way he had been leading up to these last couple series. So here's my question for you guys. Is he still the closer on May 15th? Uh, my my gut would tell me that he is. Yeah, uh, he would have to have an absolute epic collapse over the next week, week and a half for him to be removed from that role, uh, so to speak. So I still think he will be. It, look, he's going to have flips. Okay, it, like we we praise Matt Barnes at the beginning of the season because he was lights out, but he's Matt Barnes. Okay, he's what thirty two, thirty three. Like we know what he is by this point. It's not like you're dealing with a 24, 25-year-old kid who may have just hit that next level. No, Matt Barnes has been at the same level. It's just that maybe he's a little bit more motivated. Maybe he's just a tick sharper this year, but he's still Matt Barnes. He's a decent decent reliever, decent for a closer, but not the best. So he's going to have blips every now and then. Um, that being said, like unless Ottavino all of a sudden goes on this streak where he just looks like Mariano Rivera, um, I can't see anyone else in that bullpen taking that role from him. He's been the most stable guy. He's been the most reliable guy. So unless, like I said, unless he absolutely, uh, to coin my favorite phrase, unless he pukes on his cleats for the next, you know, three to four weeks, I, he's going to remain in that role. He's still their most reliable reliever. Well, Darwin's in is kind of turning it around too. So, I mean, May 15th, a while from now. And if he goes on a run, I just, maybe a case can be made. Yeah, I would, I would, I would feel better about Darwinson if he didn't walk so many guys. Right. If Darwinson didn't walk anybody from now until May 15th, I would say, yeah, sure, give him a shot. But he's, he's too erratic. I, I don't think, so May 15th, nothing's going to change. I think Matt Barnes, unless he just completely, yeah. Throws up on his shoes, right, Jason? Uh, six straight appearances, he didn't allow a hit. Six straight appearances, he walked two batters. Through six innings, he struck out 14 guys, 13 guys. You don't replace that. You just don't. And you're not going to replace it with Darwin's and Hernandez, who walks a guy an inning on average. So you have a guy who gave up his first hit, first run against Chicago in a game that you know, we won seven to four. Uh, he's only had two save ops because, you know, some of the games that we've won have been blowouts and other games. It just hasn't been an opportunity for him to get the save. He's gotten a win in one of them. I don't think that it ends up being a, a shift, a move, unless Matt Barnes blows it multiple times in a row. Because even if he blows one, maybe even two, you don't forget the first six, seven games of the season where he's allowed one run, two hits, a couple walks, struck out 15 dudes. He's striking out two guys in inning. That's like a role does Chapman good when he started in the league, and he's doing that now. So finally, Matt Barnes is doing well. Darwin's and Hernandez has done well as of late. The problem is he, he walked, what, five, six guys in like three, four appearances? Like that's, You can't live on that. And through six innings, he's allowed one run, five hits, six walks, six strikeouts. He's averaging almost a walk and a hit an inning. He's still only allowed one run. So he's he's good enough to get out of the inning. The problem is we gotta minimize the total amount of damage you put on the bases. Because you just you can't live on that. He's had just a couple holes on the season. He's still 24 years old. He's a kid. He doesn't turn 25 until Christmas. So 
the season is still very young. Matt Barnes is still going to be your closer. I hope he is because when you know who your closer is, there's a lot less questions of what to do with everyone else. So, but I just kind of noticed, you know, he's well, it wasn't quite as sharp. So I, w- I wanted to raise the question. Uh, getting into the Toronto series, like I said, only two games. Hunjin Ryu will pitch tomorrow night against Eduardo Rodriguez. And this, I, I'm positive actually, is at Fenway. And then on Wednesday, we have TBA versus Garrett Richards. And uh, it doesn't even matter that Garrett Richards is facing TBA. It's like, it's basically Garrett Richards versus Garrett Richards. And you're just hoping, um, you know, we're hoping Garrett wins that uh, battle with himself. But getting into the first matchup, Ryu has a 189 ERA, something like that. It's under two. The ace of their staff has basically pitched like an ace for the better part of the last few years, and he's going up against Rodriguez, who has looked pretty decent in his couple of starts so far. So, kind of an interesting matchup, Jason. How do you? Uh, what are you feeling uh, on that one? Yeah, Ryu's been really good. Um, he worries me a little bit. He's another one of these guys that doesn't have overpowering and stuff. I feel like. For some reason, this Red Sox team struggles against guys that don't have overpowering stuff. Um, I called it when they faced Jay Happ. They struggled a little bit. They, you know, there's just something about it. But at the end of the day, like, it's going to come down to can they construct the right lineup to go up against him to at least stress him out a little bit, right? Get some guys on base, do what they've been doing, um, string some hits together. And a lot of it will depend on Erod, obviously. Like, is Rodriguez going to be really good against you know is he gonna take a step back a little bit like i still have no idea what to expect when he gets on the mound which is a little bit concerning because i don't think he's at 2019 at rodder rodriguez levels quite yet he's he's got a long way to go so if ryu shuts him down that could be a problem and that toronto offense scares me a lot they've got a lot of firepower and they've got a lot of good right-handed hitters too so they probably love seeing a lefty go up there. And, you know, they probably love seeing Eduardo Rodriguez. So that's going to be a tough one. Um, it's one that I expect the Blue Jays to probably win because I think Ryu's just been too damn good. And I think that that lineup, with all the firepower it has, I just, with Rodriguez not being where he is quite yet, I just don't see the Red Sox winning that one. It's going to be tough. So unfortunately, I see that as a loss. Charlie, thoughts on game one? It's, you know, what's crazy is that we're having this conversation about Rodriguez not being the guy, but between Erod and Ryu, Ryu has been the more consistent pitcher. He's had three starts. Erod's only had two. Erod's averaging five innings. He's averaging six strikeouts. Ryu's averaging six strikeouts, six and a third innings. He's only walked, I think, what, two batters this season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, stupid numbers. And it's just crazy because... He he sh- he went lights out against New York. He allowed four hits, one run, not hurt at six and a third, six and two thirds. They got the win. If Toronto can beat up Erod early, I actually think we're we'll be we'll be getting a split. I think Garrett Richards is going to win. 
And I think he's going to probably have one of his better starts this season. Just crazy. I know. I know. It's going to be insane. Outside the box thinking, call me crazy. Corbin Burns, NL Cy Young. Everyone thought I was stupid. Uh, Angels winning the AL West. Everyone thought I was dumb. So you know what? What's the worst that could happen? I'm wrong for the 18th time this year. Couldn't possibly be any worse. So I... I yeah, count them up, Jason. I, I've been wrong probably like twice this year, three times, not 18. But, it'll, but by the end of the year, it'll be 18. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, I'm I'm hoping for a split here because here's the other thing, too. You could do what Lucas Giolito just did, and then we're laughing again, like we did this, you know, with the most recent series. I think consistency, though, I, I, we're like, if we get a split, if we end up losing both, I'm going to be sitting there like, oh. Uh, Oh, Jesus, what's happening right now? You know, the teams that we always used to beat are beating us and the teams, you know, vice versa. Everything's been inverted for 2021. It's just been a crazy year. It's been insane. Bad news, good news with the first matchup. The bad news is we, well, we didn't, we didn't face Ryu last year. I guess it just worked out. We never faced him, but we did face him one time in 2019 he pitched seven innings, didn't give up a run, so he shut us down. Our lineup is a little bit different now, so take that for what it's worth. But that's all the bad news, the the shutout that he pitched against us. The good news is the Red Sox destroy Aces. We didn't destroy Glass now, but we beat him. We beat Barrios, made him leave the game with the bases loaded. And then we beat Giolito today, who apparently woke up on the wrong side of the bed, but we beat him. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say we got a good chance. I'm, You know what? I'm going to be the homer tonight, and I'm going to say we're going to win game one. So take that, Andrew. And <laughs> Rodriguez, Rodriguez, uh, I think, will be solid enough. The other thing here, too, is... Even though they have all this firepower, they are kind of scuffling. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of batting averages under 200. Vladimir Jr. though is killing it. He's hitting at a 389 clip with a with a 507 on base percentage. He's torching it, dude. So he's, he's going off. He's lighting it up. Uh, Bichette isn't terrible. You know, he's hitting 266, four dingers, uh, OBP just over three, so not great. But he's going to heat up at some point. Hopefully they'll kindly wait the, the two games for us to get through those. But, um, but yeah, and and hopefully they don't wake up against Richards, too. That would be terrible. But I think, I think we could win both games. Take that, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I... Game game two, I feel pretty good because if it's TBD, that means they're doing a bullpen game because you're not getting Robbie Ray and you're not getting um, who was the other uh, Tanner Ro- Roark or Stephen Matz. Roark. Like you're you're gonna get a bullpen game, which means you're getting like who's the guy who pitched a bullpen game, bullpen game from them earlier? It was TJ TJ Zoich Zoic. or whatever? Zoic. Yeah. Zoic, yeah. So you're gonna see him. You're probably gonna see Phelps. I know Phelps is there. He can go a couple of innings. Baruki, guys like that. So. You should win game two unless Garrett Richards is a complete disaster, which is possible. But if Richards is at least somewhat composed and he keeps you in it, 
the Red Sox offense should feast on that bullpen because I don't think Toronto's bullpen is any good at all. So I, I like I said, I don't feel great about game one. I still think Ryu is is going to be a problem, but game two, I'm with you. I, I think they win game two for sure. And their bullpen's worse because they don't have Merriweather, and I think they lost one other one. His name escapes me, but – uh, so uh, Kirby Yates. They don't have Kirby Yates. Kirby yeah, Yates. Yates, their closer is gone for the season. Yeah, and there's actually a third one too as well. Um, I, I forgot about Yates. But, yeah, um, so even better for us. So if we can just find a way to get to Ryu, um, Keiko, he, not overpowering, and he just murdered us with uh, ground balls. We were grounding to shortstop all day long. And, and third base, I, I never knew Moncada was such a great uh, defender, but he was making all kinds of plays uh, on that side of the infield. So hopefully hopefully the uh, the Keiko thing will, will serve as, as a warm-up for Ryu. But... Officially, I'll, I'll say a sweep, but you guys are saying uh, most likely a split. Split is possible. Sweep is also possible. Uh, yeah. Okay. This is this is a good test for them because everyone deemed Toronto to be sort of that next team up in the East. So let's see. It's only two games, but it's a good short little test. Who was Absolutely. it that picked Toronto to win the division? Wasn't it Job? I think so. Yeah, yeah I think Job. it was. Yeah. So that, that's going to be interesting, you know. Job, Job, and Terror were the outliers here. I picked Tampa, and I, I still feel pretty good about that. But I, I think the Red Sox will have something to say about it. You know, the more we see them, and the more, the, you know, they... Zach had the Blue Jays winning the wild card. So, oh, we did have, he? We did have that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Half credit. Well, Half credit. Yep. We'll see. <laughs> but my confidence, we're not. We were at. 90 minutes, so we can't get into it. But my, my confidence in the Red Sox making the playoffs rises dramatically after seeing what the Yankees are doing right now. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll get there. But anyway, uh, kind of a longer show. I had a feeling it might be. So for the listening audience, we will be back. Just kind of firing all these shows right out. I did the White Sox interview last night with Tony Marchese. If you hadn't I uh, heard that that's the the most recent episode before this one and then we'll be back in just 48 hours to talk about what happened against Toronto. So we will uh be with you Wednesday night or your Thursday morning commute. Take care. <laughs>